Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness. My name's Michaela. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness. This week, we have Christiana returning to do a little update on her and baby Cora. I know the listeners are excited to hear from you, Chris. So I'm just going to let you dive in, tell me how you are, and then take it away. Um, yeah, thanks for thanks for having us, Cora. Here she's, uh, she's having her third breakfast this morning. Um, we're doing we're doing well. So as I mentioned yesterday, uh, she hit nine weeks. Um, and it was uh, it was Mother's Day yesterday, and and it was technically my first Mother's Day. And um, we let's see, Miguel came home. He like brought me some flowers. He made me some breakfast. And he was like, "What do you want to do today?" Originally, I said I wanted to like go for a hike and be outside, but it was like so hot yesterday. Um, I actually just stayed home and and looked at pictures from her birth. And uh, I have like a little journal for her that I've been writing little notes. And so I like pasted some pictures from the birth and like documented a little bit. They say that you should write down your birth story. And I, I do have it written somewhere, but I hadn't like spent a lot of time processing. And like, it's been nine months since I had her. Um, I mean, nine, nine weeks since I've had her. Uh, and I feel like, yeah, I, I've processed a lot of what happened, but you're so busy like you have a baby and then it's every minute of the day is required something um and so to actually just sit with the intention of like okay I want to think about the birth and I want to like process some of what happened um and this like really designated time where I was like okay I'm feeding the baby and then I'm giving her to you and anytime she doesn't need the boob she's with you today so that I can just like sit and reminisce and think and write and um it felt like a very appropriate way to spend my first my first mother's day um and yeah i i recognize that postpartum is all of the time that exists after having a baby and i also in my own experience had like the very very hard postpartum and then there was like a pretty distinct line between like I don't know if I'm going to make it through this to all of a sudden like, okay, no, no, we're postpartum, but we're, we're doing okay now. Like we're, we're in our group now. That's awesome. Um, we have a little fussiness. Oh, that's okay. Cute. We're going to just go to the other side. In a second, that's all. <laughs> I'm so glad that she's here and she gets to kind of I like know. make her presence known. Yes, it's course. wonderful. And I'm also glad that you feel like oh, there was a marked time when you felt better. Yeah, um, I mean, the midwives did say, and and pretty much anything you read or try to study up on, there isn't a lot of studying that people often do for postpartum. Like I was recognizing the materials, the resources available for you as you're like moving through pregnancy are abundant. Um, when you reach postpartum, there are like a few books that people might like 
at least friends in the yoga community recommended like, oh, you should try this one or that one. But not a lot of resources um, that I found postpartum. A couple of books, uh, one that's called The First 40 Days. Um, and this one is like lots of recipes and ways to, you know, nourish your body um, with food postpartum. And then the other one is called The Fourth Trimester. And that one is actually written by um, another mama who practices yoga. I think she, she like, maybe she's a yoga teacher. Her story is like, she's like out in Brazil or something and she has her baby and, and she talks about fourth, fourth trimester. Both of these were great re- resources for me. Reminders that like the first two weeks that really rocked my world um, are kind of expected. And uh, of course, like everybody's experiences are different, but to be like, okay, can you normalize that these first two weeks are wild? So that people as they're going through it and, and their partners can recognize like, okay, I should hold space for this, um, for this to just be hard, honestly. Um, and like I said, I'm sure everybody's experiences are different. My experience was those first two weeks, I thought, how does anybody do this? How am I ever going to do this? Um, it was really helpful to be a part of the community that I'm in, to have friends like everywhere, to feel supported um, by the community. But just like on a, on a physiological level, your body, uh, you just like opened everything up and where there was this other life holding space inside of your actual body. Now, all of a sudden it's literally empty. And so there's just, there's just this, floating little space where all of your organs are trying to to move back where they came from um and yeah yeah post postpartum was is pretty wild I'm happy to elaborate on the first two weeks by the way if you if you have any questions on that I would love for you to elaborate because I know that we got a lot of information from you as you were working towards birth. And so mm-hmm. I love to, I would love to kind of talk about what's different than what you expected. And we can start with the first two weeks because that sounds like a beautiful place that it's off your world. Uh, yeah. The first two weeks were okay. So we have the baby. Um, I guess I could tell you a little bit about the birth too. I feel really fortunate that we were able to do everything that we planned. Um, birth birth plan unfolded better than I could have imagined. Um, I was in active labor for five hours. Uh, I was pushing for 30 minutes um, and she came out in the bathtub she came out without crying. She actually was born in call. So like still in the sack. Um, and then when she did finally come out, they like broke the bag over her head. Uh, when she did finally come out, she just opened her eyes and just stared at all of us and cooed a little bit. And then, um, and then a little while later she cried, but like immediately she didn't cry and nobody felt concerned because she was so, um, aware, like, right, right off the bat. And so that, that was really nice. I think it was a very gentle entrance for her (laughs) into, into the world. Um, 
and and then we we just stayed in the bed for a few hours the midwives made us some soup um they brought us oh let's see okay they brought us some soup in bed and and then all of a sudden we were parents and all of a sudden my whole identity had this kind of major shift i mean at my core i still feel like me but adding on this big huge title that i i feel like somebody should have signed off on right like somebody should have made this okay but i just had her and and the world kept spinning and nothing nothing broke um yeah so then maybe three days of baby bliss adrenaline is high everything is great can't believe i just did that um and then around day three and a half or so my milk came in switched from colostrum to milk and and with it this like big huge flood of hormones um and that was to be anticipated actually i was sitting in an appointment with my midwife here on the couch and she was telling me like oh you're gonna have a big letdown soon your milk is gonna come in and you might feel a little bit weepy and i was like oh okay well you know i feel fine right now like but i i'll keep my eye out for it in the middle of the appointment like we just finished having this conversation about the letdown i looked down and i'm like oh yeah um my boobs just grew like times three here is the milk and i am sobbing like and i almost on on command i start sobbing um and and then it was just like that for a few weeks of of just crying like everything made me cry um and i know i know you're doing so good though uh everything made me cry for a couple of weeks um and i actually found that it was really hard to share the baby for the first at least for the first week it was hard to share her even with her dad um and dad is a very active participant you know and he was feeling um maybe a little bit oh you want to come up here he was maybe feeling a little bit left out <laughs> um he wanted to be a part of what was happening but i I told him, I was like, listen, I've had this baby outside of my body for four days. Um, and I have, since her very existence, I have not been apart from her. And in those first few days, in those first, and especially in that first week uh, and, and into the second week, holding the baby was like this light in the darkness for me. Um, everything feel, felt like really gloomy and like it was never going to end. And I'm, I actually wasn't super sore. I didn't have a lot of physical recovery to, to bounce back from immediately. Like there wasn't a lot of bleeding. There wasn't a lot of tearing, you know, things like that. I felt like I could get up and walk around right away, but the emotional impact it has to go from carrying growing and carrying new life and then expelling it into the world and being like okay now this little baby that i have been able to protect from every loud noise from every every ray of light you know um and now she's just out in the world and i i can't protect her like that and and so this this 
intense sensation of um, of being exposed, of of vulnerability, of like, oh my gosh, there's even if I did everything within my willpower, like I still won't be able to protect her the way I have for the last nine months. Um, and so transitioning to like, okay, now this baby is on the outside and we're sharing her and dad is helping me and I'm not the sole provider. I mean, it, it's hard to not feel like a little bit possessive um, when she first, when she first got here. Now, now we're nine weeks out and I'm like, okay, who wants this baby? She's crying. Who's going to bounce her? Who's going to take her? Um, but holding space for myself in those first couple of weeks to just like let whatever emotions surface, surface and to, to hold space for them because I don't know. I think, I think I did spend a little bit of time making myself wrong or like feeling guilty for feeling the way I felt about like not wanting to share her or whatever it was. Um, now if we were to do this again, I think I would just tell him like, uh, so just let me, just let me have the baby until I'm not ready to have her anymore because there will come a day when I'm like, you take this baby and you guys, Go, go somewhere, go somewhere, be gone for a few hours. Uh, yeah, see you later. Um, maybe it's different with another one, right? But at least with, with the first one, it, it was uh, scary. It's scary to have her on the outside and to, to trust somebody else to, even her dad, even her dad, to trust somebody else um, to care for her the way that I have for nine months or, or however long. Um, yeah. So first two weeks, wild. Um, now it's trying to transition into um, how can we integrate, how can we integrate this new being into the life that has been previously established? I think that that makes sense, uh, honestly, because like you said, you, you had her you had her in you. You've had her in you forever up until this point. Mm -hmm. Forever. Michaela, forever. Forever. Yes. You have been, yes, together. You have been one. We could go all the way back. Yeah. And so it makes sense that it would be hard, I think, to hand her off, quote unquote, to someone else because you're now... A, she made you a mom. That's your, that's your baby cub now. Of course mm -hmm. you don't want to let her go yet until you're ready. I think that that was beautiful the way you put that. Like, let me, let me have her until I'm ready to not have her, which will come. It will come. It will come. Um, I don't know if this is the experience for everyone. One of my friends had her baby and, and right away, she actually told me before I had mine, she was like, so just to, you know, share my experience with you, I had my baby and um, I didn't feel that immediate connection right away. Like, she was like, it took me weeks. Like I had my baby and I was like, oh, okay, here's this stranger. Um, and I, I won't say that that thought didn't cross my mind. Like when I first met Cora, I thought, oh, maybe I don't know you as much as I thought I did. Um, and it, for me, it took like a, a few moments before it 
it changed, but um, the feeling of like, oh yeah, you are a complete stranger. You are a whole person that is uh, <laughs> like dropping in on my life now. Um, hi, how are you? Tell me about you. Tell me what you like, what you don't like, because we, we need to figure this out. I mean, I, I can absolutely understand that it's a whole world of both and, right? Because a lot of it's natural so that we take care of and ensure that this being survives. And then the other part is like, okay, but I've been by myself until yeah. now. Yes. So there's, there, there's yes and, right? Um, love being a mom love having my baby. What a blessing she is. Uh, she is a, she's divinity. You know, she reminds me from moment to moment to, to be in my practice, to be present, to taper my expectations, to recognize when I'm projecting, like already, I know that, um, I know that for the most part, the things that I say to her are pretty benign, you know, as long as, as long as all of her needs are met and she is, uh, has a felt sense of security and safety. Yes. Having a baby. Yes. And yes. And having a baby is, is wonderful and life shifts, everything shifts and And then you kind of have to just like adapt overnight to um, a new life, a new version of you. Um, in those first two weeks of, of sort of readjusting, there was also like several conversations I had with my husband that were like, yeah, I mean, we're mourning the loss of our previous life. Um, all around our house, we have pictures of like travels and little, little things that we've done. And so I, in those first two weeks, I would sit here, um, in the living room and I would be feeding her and I would just stare at this wall of like a lifetime before her. And I, I am so deeply in love with her. And I'm also, I, I, I don't know if there ever is a point where you are so firmly decided that there is no morning of the life before you're like, okay, I am going to have this baby right now. And I'm so certain that I don't even miss my life before this baby. Um, maybe that exists, but for me, that was not the case. Like as, as much as I planned for her and as excited as, as I was to, to have her, um, even now I have moments of like, Remember when I was 21, I actually just said this to Miguel last night. I was like, I wish I was 21 and we could just stay up until like one in the morning and watch this movie and eat Cheetos in bed. Like that's how, <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds great for so many reasons. That's not what we're doing right now. But uh, how great would it be to have that amount of responsibility? Um Yeah, so integrating, integrating her into this life now. Um, that part I was sure I wanted to, to move quickly on. Um, I, especially the fact that I was able to have such a, a wonderful delivery experience. 
and I felt I felt pretty like physically healed pretty quickly as well um so I'm like okay how can we just normalize having a baby uh as you can tell maybe you can tell it's you're a little bit more distracted after you have a after you have a baby there's just like your eyes are kind of always darting around the room like okay everybody's in their place everybody has their needs um all of their needs met and it it is it is challenging um but to just normalize having a baby to normalize having a crying baby to normalize having to feed your baby this has been a big one um i've had to I was actually just talking to a friend about this last night and I, I do, I just feed Cora anywhere, anytime that she's hungry. And I personally do not have the emotional or psychological capacity to worry about what other people think about me feeding my baby when she's hungry. Like it is high, high priority to feed my hungry baby and low, low priority to be concerned about what people think about me feeding my hungry baby. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. I, I hope, um, I hope that it empowers other moms to, you know, when other moms see me, I actually know that I have been empowered by other moms who feed their babies in public. And it has made me feel like yeah, duh. Of course we're going to, of course we are. What? So that I don't offend somebody with the sight of a booby. If you've never seen a booby in your life before, if this is your first time seeing a booby, look away because you know what? I'm pretty certain that at least some point in your mouth and <laughs> at least some point in your life, you're, you have done this. <laughs> you have been on a booby before at least some point in your life, at least once. Um, and it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't seem right to me to just let her be hungry at the expense of, or to, it doesn't seem right to me to accommodate other people's feelings at the expense of my child's hunger. Absolutely. Because she's at a time in her life when eating every 15 or 30 minutes is important. Other people can look away. I think that's a nice and gentle invitation. Yeah. If it's bothersome, don't look. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, so we, we were out at Barton Springs a couple of days ago. Um, for those of you not in Austin, Barton Springs is like this huge public pool. It's a, a natural spring or fed by a natural spring. Um, and there are tons of people out there. And uh, Cora started crying and I could see this couple beside us getting visibly annoyed by her crying. Um, and of course I like do what I can to soothe her. She was, she was tired and it was kind of hot. We were like under some shade, but I think when you mix crying and heat, you just get hotter. <laughs> so she's like getting, she's getting upset and the couple beside us is getting upset. And I'm going back and forth from feeding her and bouncing her and patting her. And uh, they start to like pack up their things and they leave. And I, I felt a way about it 
um, I felt like I felt uncomfortable and I felt like, oh, I hope I didn't just ruin their afternoon with my crying baby. And then on the other side of them, there was another family who had like three kids and one of their kids was screaming for a short period of time too. And I'm just like, you know what? If you need to move because the baby's crying and you, you this isn't what you wanted, then that's okay. And I don't have to take it personally. And my baby is still allowed to cry because she's a baby. And what am I going to do? Just keep her in the house until she's not of crying age anymore. I had a yoga teacher in class once I knocked over a block and I'm sure, you know, at MVP, we have the wooden blocks. Um, uh-huh. And so I knocked over a wooden block and um, it was Sam. And she looked at me and she was like, that's your invitation from the universe to take up space. Like you're allowed to make noise. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. How often are we trying to make, like, we're trying to like move more quietly or take up less space, like maybe physical space. We're trying to like, you know, sneak past and we're always apologizing for taking up any amount of space. Uh, Like our very existence is an inconvenience to those around us. And like, that's not the feeling that I want to instill in Cora. You know, that's not the feeling I want to, I want to have for myself either. Absolutely. And like, what if instead those people took that as an invitation to practice a little pratyahara and control their awareness? Yes. You feel distracted. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what were we doing? I was doing a meditation here in the house. Um, so for my final appointment with with the midwives, um, they had a closing of the bones ceremony for me. So they take um, the, uh, like they're these Mexican um, scarves, these long scarves and you, Guatemalan, they're Guatemalan scarves, I'm sorry. Um, they're Guatemalan scarves and you like lay them, they lay them across the bed. And then uh, they like tie you up and then they, they like led me through a meditation. And um, while we were, while they were wrapping me, Cora was in the other room screaming and uh, she was like, okay, so this is a good opportunity to practice um, meditating with a, with a crying baby. As soon as they finished wrapping me, Cora was done crying and I got a few, um, I got a few moments of just like silence and, and an opportunity to like be in meditation, um, in silence, which was, which was great. But I, I recognized then like, okay, so meditation is not silence. Like meditation is not this like being in this uh, prime experience for it. It is taking your meditation into whatever experience is happening. And so um, being in the car, Cora does not always love the car. Um, driving by myself with Cora in the back seat and she's screaming. And I am actually just using, using a similar breath to the, to the, breath practice I used while I was in labor. 
um, really just like calming myself with breath, with, with practice. And, and part of it is like being in this, this state of presence where I'm like, okay, I can see her through the mirrors. She is not in any danger. She is not in harm's way. She is as safe as she can possibly be right now. I am driving to this next place. We will get to this next place. When we get to our next place, I will take her out of the car seat and everything will be fine. And that, I ha- I mean, I guess I return to this, this state of being present when I'm giving her a diaper change and she hates it when we're doing anything, when I'm giving her a bath and she hates it, like whatever it is that she hates that she's screaming about, like, it's just this constant assessment of like, she's good. She's safe. Everybody's good. Everybody's safe. This is just something that has to happen. And do I have to have like a judgment about it? Or do I have to be like, oh, she's a good baby or a bad baby because she's upset about this? No, she's just a baby. This is her one form of communication. And can I just like be here to support whatever experience she's, she's trying to have, um, and not make her wrong for, for expressing her needs, right? Like most of the time, if she's crying, it's because there's some need that needs to be met. She's hungry. She's tired. She has a a dirty diaper. Maybe she's bored. Maybe she's feeling actual growing pains right now. That was something somebody recently brought to my attention. Like I didn't have this experience as a kid, but, uh, my husband did. And, and a friend of mine did too, where they like actually very, very, like very much remember the experience of growing pains where you're like laying in bed and you're like, your legs hurt or like something hurts because it's just nothing happened. It's just growing. It's just getting bigger. Um, and so I've thought about this too, like when Cora's crying and I've tried everything and she, she doesn't often cry and I don't know why, but sometimes she does. And, uh, and then I just have to think like, okay, well, maybe today was a big day for her. Maybe, you know, she just started recognizing the, the ceiling fan spinning and she just started like staring at pictures on the walls and stuff like maybe she's overstimulated and she just needs a second. And so to try to stay in my own practice so that I can just be like, okay, I don't have to be moved emotionally by her, you know, being upset or feeling, um, being upset. Yes. Screaming and crying and not stopping the screaming and crying is the big, is the big one where it's like, okay, she's been crying for a while and I'm kind of ready for her to not like, I'm ready to put her down. I'm ready to move on with my day and like get the next task done and I can't do it. And can I still just like hold space for her to be a baby? And that, that very much is, is being in practice for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I bet it's um, so much easier to try and apply that practice to another being, especially one that's as needy as she is because she's a baby and Mm -hmm. can't do anything for herself. Um, Because you started doing this practice before you had her with yourself. Mm -hmm. What does it look like to hold your experience, hold space for your experience? And because you're a little bit more familiar with that practice, 
it's probably a little a little easier to apply it to Cora. Yes, a hundred, a hundred percent. One of my teachers said to me like, hey, Chris, don't wait until you need these skills to sharpen them, sharpen them before you need them. And then you can, you'll be able to tap into them when it's time. Um, if you wait until you need them to try to sharpen them, you're, you might not be able to. Um, and so actually last night we had a friend over here who was just like holding Cora for us to have a little date. Um, we went from, I was like, oh, he was like, what do you want to do? You know, for, for mother's day, you want to go and celebrate a little bit. And I was like, okay, well let's have our, our day with the baby. And then, um, like, let's go out for a drink. Like, so it started, the plan started off with me, um, Googling rooftop bars in Austin. And then I was like, you know what? It's really not my style to like get all dolled up and go to a rooftop bar. Like that kind of also sounds like a lot, like, let's not do that. So I was like, we have this cute little picnic table. We can take it across the street. There's this empty parking garage that we love to go. And I like to go and like walk with the dogs or skate around or, you know, like whatever. I was like, we can go over there and we can have a cocktail and we can just like sit. Then it was so hot. I was like, no, no. What about we just, what about we just go on the other side of this patio door and we sit on the balcony and we just have a drink and that's our, that's our date. So we, we sat outside and we were playing cards. Um, and I was teaching a new card game to, to my husband, one that, and well, maybe he's played it before, but he hadn't played it in a while. And I kept beating him and he was like, I could see, I could see he would like get a little bit panicky. Um, it's like a speed game and you actually, it's called speed. Maybe, you know, speed. Okay. So it's like a two, two player. Anyway, anyway, we're playing, we're playing speed and I can see that like he sees my hand getting empty and then he panics. Right. So we go through a few rounds and I keep beating him. And then I was like, okay, how about this isn't a practice, like this isn't a game of cards. This is a practice of Zen. Right. So how does it feel to catch yourself in this moment of like a little bit of panic and like just breathe and know that it's a card game and know that there's no reason to panic and know that win or lose, like the time is is spent the way it's spent and then nothing is affected if you win or lose this card game. Right. Uh, and so we we got into a few rounds and I was like, OK, how does it feel to like have a conversation while we're playing? or like to just be with your breath while we're playing. And so we were playing this very easy game of Zen last night where it's like, okay, can we practice uh, a parigraha here? Can we, <laughs> you know, can we, can we practice non-attachment here so that we just play whatever cards are literally dealt to us and we are unattached to whether or not we win or lose this card game. Um, Long story short, this is an easy way for me to integrate this practice um, into daily life. And like, yeah, sure, when we're playing cards, but when we're doing anything that is like pretty benign, I think that's like the best place to practice some of this stuff is like where it, it doesn't really, it really doesn't matter the outcome. So like, can I, can I apply this to moments with the puppies that maybe seem a little bit frustrating or, um, anytime I, I recognize some amount of frustration bubbling up, like, can I, 
try to apply it there where it's like, does this really matter? Does this really matter? Does it really require um, this sort of attention or disappointment? Do I have to experience disappointment here or can I just, can I just let this experience unfold how it does? If Cora cuts a, cuts a date short or something because she decides to lose it, which sometimes happens, you know, can I just be like, okay, yeah, this is also, this is all my time. It doesn't matter if I'm with her, if I'm with the dogs, if I'm doing any, if I'm cleaning, if I'm cleaning up poop, you know, which does happen uh, often, several times throughout the day, I'm cleaning up poop. While I'm cleaning up poop, can I be unattached to this? So you mentioned something earlier that I really liked, and I've been kind of thinking about it. And then you mm -hmm. brought us back talking about this, this being in the practice and even the small moments. Um, we don't meditate in silence. Like that's an ideal, yes. Um, for book club last month, we read a really good book and they were talking about how we we're not monks. We don't live on the top of mountains and meditate with literally no distractions, mm -hmm. which is probably the easiest, at least, um, context to try to meditate in, right? Totally. When you're not having to ignore the sounds, you're not having to ignore other people. And, but we meditate in those hard moments when we're driving the car or we're having a hard conversation with someone or whatever. That's the practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I love that. Um, and it it does really show itself when uh, there's really not many opportunities for a silent meditation. If there is an opportunity for silent meditation, I think I would prefer to take a nap. <laughs> You know, like if it's totally silent and nobody needs anything, I think I would maybe just take a nap right now. Um, but yeah, to, to find this meditation throughout our daily life. So maybe I've mentioned him to you before. I feel like lots of people um, in, who are listening probably know this person. His name is Thich Nhat Hanh. Uh, he, you know, he just passed away this year. Um, I started diving into his books and, and lectures, um, maybe like three ish years ago. And, uh, he's a, for those of you who don't know, he's a, a Vietnamese Buddhist monk close to my heart as a half Vietnamese person. Um, but one of his, the first book of his that I read is called Savor. It's actually a, a book on meditating around eating. So it's, uh, and, and it is about meditating around eating. It's also about meditating around everything. Um, one of the lines that he says in there that I think is, is fairly, fairly popular is like, how can you eat the whole orange if you can't even eat one slice? Um, and so like, how are you, when we think about eating, right? Um, maybe we eat, okay, in, in Texas, I'm sure in other states too, the tiny little cutie oranges, they were like just in season. So I personally can peel like two or three of those and like eat 
eat that and eat, I can eat like three of them as a snack. I can eat half of a cutie orange in one bite. Um, but then he, as he says in the book, like, okay, eat it that way. And then you still want more. You still need more because you're like, you didn't, you didn't satisfy the craving you were having. Right. Because it just happened. And, and you maybe like, we don't process that it's happening. And so we, it doesn't satisfy us. So we're left, we're left wanting more. And, and he kind of says this about like, about everything about eating about like, okay, um, you could be eating quickly so that you can finish up and you can go on to the next task, but then you wash your plates quickly so that you can finish up and get onto the next task. And then you start the next task and you get through that quickly. So you can go on to the, you know, and it just keeps going like this, where you're just like rushing and rushing and rushing to the next thing. And he's like, what if you really ate every bite of your orange? If when you were washing your dishes, you took the time to, to find in your heart, like a sense of gratitude for having running clean water. Um, and then, you know, in, in his, in his example, you're, you're finishing the dishes so that you can go on to have a cup of tea. Right. And then you're like rushing over to make your cup of tea. And then you're waiting impatiently for it to cool down so you can drink it. And then once it's cool, you drink it quickly. And like, it's like, we can do that. And we can also do it all a totally different way where it's not like I'm washing the dishes as a chore. I'm washing the dishes because I can, because I have running water. I have access to this because I have the time because I'm fortunate enough to be somebody who has time to wash my own dishes, you know? Um, and so just finding every moment as an opportunity for me. And so like when I'm feeding the baby and what I really need to be doing is working, you know, can I, instead of feeling frustrated and feeling rushed to feed the baby, can I be like, I'm grateful that I have, first of all, that I have my baby. Second of all, that I have, you know, that I can feed her, um, that I have a job that's flexible, that it's okay if I need to take 20 minutes right now to feed her. Um, you know, so, so instead of leaning into these moments of frustration, I can recognize like, okay, this part, like, these are all little parts that, that are for me. Like, these are all a bunch of little gifts that I can choose to not see and, and rush through, or I can recognize like, okay, this action item has to happen while it's happening, can I, can I find the little gift that's in it for me and enjoy it and savor it? We read one of his books in book club. We read no mud, no mud, no Lotus. Yes. Um, and upon doing research, he's written like 70, 80 books plus, or he did in his lifetime. Uh-huh. Um, such a gift, honestly, those those moments. Um, a lot of y'all might know Tara Clevin. Um, mm -hmm. she was talking to me one day, um, in studio. I was, I was complaining about something and she was holding uh -huh. space for me and my experience, which she does very well. 
Um, and then she was talking to me like she does as the yoga therapist that she is and was asking me questions kind of like you were doing with Miguel during your card game, you know, and what does it look like to, because you chose in this moment to sit and scroll Instagram or sit and not do this chore that I need to get done, what would it look like to be present with that choice and then to not make yourself feel bad for it? Because totally, you made totally. the choice to be there. That is you eating all of the slices of your orange. Exactly. Exactly. Right. The same like, can kind I, of. Can I just indulge myself in this desire to sit and scroll Instagram? Can I just let it be okay that for the next 20 minutes, I just want to watch TikToks and then I'm going to put my phone down and I'm going to like be satisfied by that indulgent moment. And I will be able to move on to the next thing without feeling like empty, empty, empty while I'm doing it. And then while I'm moving on to the next thing. Absolutely. Uh, and then shaming myself. Yeah. At several points in the process. Uh-huh. For uh-huh. Fun. Uh, yes. Shaming ourselves for fun. That is something that as a new mom comes quite easily as well. I can imagine. Yeah. I can uh, imagine. Sh- shaming ourselves for fun. Um, I've had, I, I am really fortunate that I have a, a handful of yogi friends who are also new moms. Um, and so we, we can kind of bounce ideas off of each other, like, and not even like sit, we don't even like necessarily sit down and be like, Hey, what do you think about this? It's more of this really empowering, um, observation, like, uh, okay. So there's one friend I have who had her baby a few weeks before I did. And then another friend that had her babies, a few that had her baby singular, um, a few weeks after I did. And this, like this way of sort of empowering each other through just sharing little bits. Um, let's see if I can elaborate on this a little bit, because I think it's, I think it's really important and it, it can be really beneficial um, to have this kind of support where, uh, okay. So this friend of mine who, who had her baby a few weeks before I did, she is like, she's a freaking rock star, dude. She is, she is a rock star of a mom. She's a rock star of a friend. She, uh, has her own little business. She rides and fixes motorcycles, She's an amazing cook. Like she, I could go on and on. She's great. And prior to, to re establishing the way I wanted to receive this, uh, I felt quite jealous. And I think that this can happen without being a mom. And especially when you are a mom. Uh, you see, like, you look to your left, look to your right. You see other moms who are like killing it. Like they're you're like, how are you such a rock star? Um, and, and then you get kind of like lost in this experience of comparison and you're like, okay, well, I am not that, and I don't do that, and I'm not that good at that, and it's really easy to just be like, how can they do all of this, and I can't do all of this, and and then and then I have this other friend who had her baby a few weeks after I did, and 
I think it's just like looking, looking forward to this friend who, who did have her baby before I did, I see her doing all these little things and I'm like, wait, but I can't do that. I can't do that. Her kid is four weeks older than mine is. And so then like, I'll have this thought like, oh, how is she doing that? I can't do that. Or like, what? Her baby's already doing that. And my baby's not doing this. Okay. And then four weeks come and you know what? I'm doing that thing that she was doing. And my baby's doing that thing her baby was doing. And like, even if we weren't like, it's fine. It's all going to progress however it does. So then, then this friend who had her baby after I did, she's messaging me and she's like, you so inspired me. Like you, you know, we all, all three of us actually birthed at home. And so we, I think we influenced each other a little bit. I felt influenced by my girlfriend who had her baby before me knowing like, okay, she did that. She did amazing. It was great. And then, and then my girlfriend who had her baby after me, like messaged me the same thing. Like, I'm so glad that I know you, that I've been on this journey with you, that like, you've been here to like inspire this. Um, yeah, we can take it and we can be ashamed of ourselves and we can, we can be ashamed of ourselves for not doing it a different way. And we can feel jealous that other people are able to do it in a way that we aren't, or we can be empowered by it and having to actively turn that on so that as I'm like registering or processing what other, what other moms are doing, right? It's hard. You can say like, keep your eyes on your own paper and like, yes, that is one way. But if we're living like this, it's really easy to get like self-absorbed, you know, like, no, keep awareness of what's happening around you too. But can you, can you process it all as like in a way that empowers you instead of like makes you feel small? Because you can totally be made to feel small when you're a new mom. Absolutely. I, I hear, as someone who does not have children, <laughs> that the, the shame can be real mm-hmm. as a mom. No matter what decision you make, there is always someone who has something to say or an opinion about what you chose to do. So I think that that's a really beautiful way to use your mindfulness, your presence to practice reframing, which is a big for me. Um, stories are our way of our brain trying to make sense of things that are hard or confusing. And so what does it look like to help the brain with the different yeah. side of the story? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's helpful to remember that there is no right way to do any of it. There is no actual book of rules or laws on how to do it. And so I just have to remind myself, like, I have, I have the intuition. I have the wisdom that I need to take the best proper care of this baby. Right. Um, Other people can make recommendations other people can have their opinions and they can do their own thing, their own way. And still, um, the mother's intuition is real. I think everybody, I think especially all women have mother's intuition, whether or not we are, you know, whether or not we have children, we have this, like the mother's intuition within all of us that is healing our inner child. Right. 
like we all have this, um, whether we choose to express it or spend time with it is, is up to the individual, but I think it's there. Um, and to, to be able to tap into it now with my baby and to trust myself, gosh, that might be, that might be so far my biggest lesson and, and stepping into motherhood is, is recognizing like, I actually actually don't really have a choice but to trust myself at this point. You know, I I could not. Um, the outcome is not is not always what it needs to be when I when I rely on the uh, experiences of others to to guide me and to tell me how to to be the best mom to my baby. I have to just be with myself, be with her, be honest about what both of our needs are and, and what it looks like to, to show up for those. That's a beautiful way, I feel like, to end our conversation together because it's always, it's, it always comes back to a few things, right? To being mindful, to holding space for your experience and to learn about yourself through it without judgment because you put it beautifully. You're not here to mother other people's babies. Other people aren't here to mother your baby. You're here to mother your baby. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, being a mom is hard and fun and, uh, and I feel connected to, I feel more connected to the divine having this little this little being just like always there she's just like so pure so wise um unattached to anything except food right she's just only attached to the to her basic needs it's like how does it feel to to tap into that to be like yeah it's ever it's neither here nor there none of it is can I just like go with the flow. I hate that I'm using this cliche, but yeah, you just go with it. Whatever shows up, you just do that and you carry on because you can resist, but it it's all going to unfold however it unfolds anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chris, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's been so awesome to check back in um, and to talk a little bit about post post birth. Experience. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me back and uh, for for holding a little space for Cora to be on here eating and eating and crying and being patted. You know what? I think that it's a good uh, reflection of what we were talking about because it really doesn't matter. It didn't affect anyone. We're all still here and it's great. Well, thank you, Michaela. I, you know, I love you dearly. And I love I, you too. I appreciate you and all, all of the work that you do. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you again. I could chat with you forever, but I will let you go. Uh, thank you everyone for being here and um, holding space with us. And we will see you again next week. Have a great rest of your day.